Well, hello. Hello. This is our second attempt at this episode. Yep. We had some major technical difficulties on the weekend. Yeah. On Friday, actually. We need to do it again. Mm-hmm. How horrible for us. We learned our lesson sitting at my drafting table in my office to not do that again. Yeah. That was not a good setup. That wasn't. We struggled. Diana used odd things in my office <laughs> to keep her microphone from sliding off the drafting table. Yeah. Because it was angled down towards her, but then everything was sliding. We just won't do it again. No. So yeah, here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about? How about I just what I just did in your office? Oh, yeah. Chantel is a clusterfuck. <laughs> major go ahead Chantel tell our listeners I don't even know how it happened I think my phone (laughs) fell on it we're doing a shot of moonshine when we start the podcast and we had it poured and ready to go and I left it on my table and then when I came and sat back down I don't remember exactly how it happened because it caught my attention I seen it falling because I put the kickstand out on my phone and I think my phone tilted over and fell on the shot glass And it knocked it over. And then when I tried to catch it, I made it worse. And it went all over the table. And then I tried to suck it up. While I I held her hair. And (laughs) I held your hair. And at some point, I actually pulled the table up. So it would be easier for you to suck it off the table. But none of it, none of it worked. No, and I was laughing so hard I couldn't do it. And it was pouring all over my arms and on my legs. My, I have a big spot of apple moonshine on my jeans. And it was really, really funny. I mean, ridiculous. I, I didn't spill mine, so I still, I still have, and it's apple pie moonshine. Okay, so normally moonshine, I think paint thinner. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, moonshine's pretty strong. Gross. Stuff. The stuff my dad used to make or whatever. This is so not that. Mm-mm. And I'm sad for you that you wasted. I know. Fuck me too, man. It was like a full ounce of it. Yeah. She still has one ounce left. I have two ounces. <sighs> I know. I'm so sad. I'm so sad for you. At, um, whatever. Though, honestly, it sucks. It's in my hair and my hair is really sticky now. But your hair is sticky, but it smells like apple pie. It smells like apple pie, but it's hella sticky. It's going to be a bitch to brush later. <laughs> Fuck. I can't believe that happened. And it was so fast. Yep. It was so fast. It tastes like an apple pie shot. It is honestly. An apple pie shots with a bomb. It does not taste like moonshine to me. No, it's super good. It's, it's really good. It's really good. So mm-hmm. that happened. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It sucks. Good try, though. Good effort trying <laughs> to you. suck that back up. I could do it once I started laughing. That was it. And then the more I tried to do it, the harder I would laugh because I was picturing myself like yep. I was watching myself from the outside in. And I must look so fucking ridiculous right now. I was watching you from the outside. <laughs> so, you know, it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but I tried to help. You did. You were being super helpful. I was very supportive. <laughs> you were holding, holding my back. hair back. And then, like I said, at some point, I picked up the table, like I lifted it up <laughs> I to her. Towards my mouth. Towards her mouth. <laughs> so that I could just pour it down her gullet. <laughs> but it didn't quite work out. <laughs> I also, my face is sticky. I just realized that from touching my nose. Because I got it all over my face. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. So my nose is all sticky and shit. My chin and my (laughs) neck. (sighs) Good times. Good times. Those are core memories. So do you want to do the shot now? Yeah. Your remaining shot? I'm going to have the rest of mine I'm not going to have the rest of this. I'm not going to do all of that. Oh my God, no. That's like a one ounce. There's no way I'm going to shoot that dude. I think that's more than an ounce and that's a lot. Okay, well... You do you, I guess. Oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. Gonna, you do you. I'm going to yeah. have my shot. Okay. I'm gonna, but bottoms I'm not doing up. all of this. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. <laughs> that is not moonshine. That is like liquid gold. Gold. Right? 
It's so good. Like, fuck. And it's even better when it's ice fucking cold. When Jamie, yeah. and I, you know how Jamie and I and Cecily and Felicity mm. will go wheeling up Shoot Lake and stuff? And shoot some shots, all of you? Shoot <laughs> some shots. Shoot some shots, eh? Yeah, shoot some shots, <laughs> Shoot some shots, eh? You're six-month-old, you're six-year-old, you and your husband. Yeah, we do. All yeah, we, we all go wheeling and we'll go with the Jeep Club and shit up Shoot Lake. It's fucking awesome. And we'll go, we, like, we've gone with Rachel and Ryan. Yeah. We have a hoot and holler. One time when Jamie and I and Cecily and Felicity went up just the, oh my God, I'm not used to this, four of us. <laughs> let's math. Right, let's math. Let's math. <laughs> One, two, three, four. four. And four. then Duchess is five. Yes. Yeah, because we bring her with us too. Her great Dane. Yeah, my great Dane. <laughs> and so we went up and we, I brought this apple moonshine with us and I put, and at this time, the, the time of my story, it was winter time. And so we'd put some snow in it make it really really cold and stick them in the snow and then with other people up at the lodge and stuff and then we go back and oh ice cold it's just you think it's gold now ice cold with snow that just made me think of maple syrup yeah maple taffy yes maple so taffy it's like, so good did you do that <laughs> like, i've done maple taffy amazing. fuck have you ever had maple taffy no it's so good <laughs> oh my god when I was in French immersion in school, in elementary school, I would distinctively remember we would have francophone people come, yeah. usually from Quebec, and they would teach us the culture of Quebec and stuff, the Bonhomme de Neige festival and all that, and it's it's so fun. They do maple taffy there, so they take obviously Canadian maple syrup, yep, roll it out in the snow on a, a stick, on a on a popsicle stick, <laughs> yeah, and we, they would do that at our school. It's so good. Just avoid the yellow snow. Yeah, n- never yellow snow. <laughs> never eat yellow snow nothing but white nothing but white no i've done it on my sun deck before with the next roommate when we got like well i mean canada gets dumped with snow yep and so we were talking about it and we're like let's fucking do it and we had real canadian maple syrup and so we did it on the sun deck and it was so good well now i have to try it on my sun deck we totally do we will do it this winter okay good because yeah the snow that i get up there it's like untouched no one goes out there oh fuck yeah except for when i'm shoveling it off yeah deck okay we'll have to oh good i'm gonna feel even more canadian than i already (laughs) feel like gonna bite some polar bears (laughs) avoid the flying hockey pucks yes wear my toque (laughs) what else (laughs) Oh my God, everything Canadian. I've seen the funniest Canadian videos recently. Well, one was done by an Australian man. I can't remember his web handle, but he was so funny. He was talking about walking your pet moose. Yes. You sent that to me. It was hilarious. I watched it so many times (laughs) and was dying. And then there was the other one of this Canadian guy answering questions from americans yes about canada and he was, it was so agitated he was so agitated he was so he mad was shook <laughs> yeah and he was he sounded so canadian too everything he was saying is like let's fucking hear it yeah I'm like that's yep. not a question bud what are you getting at and yeah. like he just he sounded he fit the part he was so annoyed but it was awesome it was so funny it was so great we will totally do answering questions from americans or europeans or you know middle east please send them in Speaking for myself, I am very, very proud to be Canadian. Although we have absolutely a lot of blood on our hands, we are not a perfect country by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think our perfectionism is stretched wildly across the world because we have genocide. We are not perfect. No. By any means, Canada struggles with racism, much like other parts of the world. So we are not perfect, but we are still an amazing country. We are. And a peace country. And I am so proud to be Canadian. So if you ever have any questions, please send them in, yes. French or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, that makes me think about, and it's not just the U.S. looking at us. When I moved out here from Ontario, I had multiple people ask me if we had paved roads out here. I know. I was like, where the <laughs> fuck do you think I moved? I know. They asked me if there were teepees everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, if yeah. we had, oh, yeah. And if we had <laughs> paved roads and I, to fuck with some of them, I went, oh, no, no paved roads. <laughs> no paved roads. No paved roads. Teepees everywhere. I yeah. live in one. Igloos. Igloos. We sell ice to Eskimos. Yeah. 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 It just blew my mind <laughs> that people in a, not again, not everyone is that thick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I had people ask me and I was like, no, seriously, where do you think I moved? Yeah. British Columbia. It's not that far away. It's not that even far it's from the, the U.S. same country. Oh, yeah. yeah between Ontario. You Ontario. Oh, I yeah. see what you mean. I thought you meant like between America. Uh-huh. Okay. We're living in a pretty major part of B.C. So, Columbia, yeah. yeah. It's a huge part of British sure, Columbia. Sure, fine. My driveway's not paved. Same. But that's same, it. Please. Yes, there you go. <laughs> it just made me giggle that people ask me that. The questions you can get from Americans are pretty funny. They're... They yes, are funnier, comical. But still, like I said, even within Canada, the questions I got from people on the East Coast compared... Oh, people in Canada asked you that? That's what I'm saying. Oh, people sorry, in Ontario. I, I, oh, sorry. I thought you meant like from moving from Ontario no. to BC. I'm sorry. I totally misunderstood that. I had a few people... I totally misunderstood what you were saying. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I, I had a few people ask me, are there paved roads? Is wow. there teepees yeah, everywhere? Yeah, I missed that. I thought you were talking about Americans oh, asking no. you that. Okay. These were people in Ontario... And then when I sent them photos, of course, I fucked with a few of them. Of course, naturally. A little bit, because I was like, oh my God, if you're that, if you seriously think that, sure, I'm going to send you pictures of dirt roads and teepees and no homes anywhere. And polar bears. Snow everywhere, even in the summer. Yep. It blew my mind that within our country, yeah, depending on province, I had that. But yes, that's then there's crazy. the states. Oh my goodness. The questions from the U.S. <laughs> I think I told you before one time when I was in California, I went into the gas station with my granddad and the girls behind the counter could tell that we were Canadian by the way we were speaking. Yeah. And we didn't bring it up. They did. They were like, you guys are from Canada. Yeah, we're from British Columbia. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't know what you're talking about <laughs> there, bud. And so they could just tell by the way we were talking. First thing they asked was, can we see your money? <laughs> and so they asked to see our money. So we're showing them our money. And then we also have Canadian tire money. <laughs> Did they think that was real money? Probably. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it's a type of currency in Canada. It is. But it's only for crappy tire. I just use the app. Oh, of course you crappy, do. Because, you, oh, of course you do. We are totally going to get into. I still into, use the paper. We're, we're going to get into this later in the podcast. Because Chantal is, her nickname is Old Edith. And there's good reason for it. So we will talk about this. Yes. yes I don't use the of course fucking you don't. crappy tire money money. I use the app. It's just easier. I got to tell you a funny story. Okay. Side story to this. Yep. When I started working out, out of high school, like I've been working since I was 14, but my first job out of high school, I worked at a thrift store called Value Village. And in the US, it's called Savers. It was established in San Francisco. And so, yeah, it carried through to Canada and it's known here as Value Village. So I worked in production in the back, dealing with donations. This one day I was on a lunch break in the staff room and I had so much Canadian tire money in my wallet. Okay. And my coworker, I put my wallet on the table and it was like loaded with Canadian tire money. Because I used to <laughs> always get my gas at the gas station. Uh -huh. And then I'd always go get my Canadian tire money. Yeah. And when I had enough saved up, I'd pay for gas with it. Or I'd buy something like my truck oil or my truck tranny fluid in, in Canadian tire. And so 
I had my wallet on the table and my coworker was like, oh, let's rob Chantel. And I looked and I'm, in my head, I'm like, what the fuck are you what? talking about? I make minimum wage like you, buddy. Yeah. And I look at my wallet and I realize it's because it's loaded with Canadian tire money. And I was like, it's just Canadian tire money, bud. That's and why and you, we all you, laughed so hard. Yeah. In Canadian. In, <laughs> that's why you use the We app? just died. So you're not like fucking, it's like receipts in your wallet. Like it's yeah. a pain in the ass. It is. I, I stopped totally carrying remember. it in my wallet years ago. Yes. I remember when I was much. a kid and my dad or mom would do the same and it was like, no thanks. It's not real money. <laughs> no, it's not. It just works for Canadian Tire and, the, and their gas station. It does. Yeah. So the app is brilliant. Again. I didn't even know there was an Oh app. my. Of course you did. <laughs> no idea. Oh yeah. So I had to <laughs> teach or at least talk to Chantal and teach her about depositing checks with your phone app. Yep. I had no idea app. that was a thing. And it was like, she's like complaining, not complaining, but she was like, Ugh, Wait, no complaining. To, yeah, I, that's okay, valid. Fine. That's, that's fair. Fine. Okay. Yeah. I have to go to the bank. And I was like, why? To deposit a check. I'm like, oh, or you can do it through your app. And she was like, what? Her brain, I could see it just yeah. explode. And I was like, dude, you're 29. I know. <laughs> you should know this shit. I don't know how else to put that. And she did. And she was so excited. And then she asked me about it again shortly after yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot how to do it. she forgot how to do it. And it was like, you do not have to go to the bank ever I hate going to financial uh, financial institutions. Me too. Financial. I hate going in the bank. I hate going in them. And it's now I hate very it. rare. The last time I had to go into one, I was super uncomfortable because I forgot what banks look like. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, everything. I do everything online. I Everything through the app or the, t- not the teller, the. Uh, like the audit, like the machine, the self-serve machine. But even that I haven't done in so long because <laughs> unless this I'm taking is money. Archaic. It is archaic. It's, it's old Edith. <laughs> Old like language. Me. Yep. Is old language. But yeah, I don't even do that unless I need to take money out, which who the fuck uses money money anymore? Yep. It's just kind of weird. But anyways, it is weird. yeah. I just realized it literally just came to me. I was listening to everything you were talking about. You bank. should be sorry. I am. I'm deeply sorry. Very sorry. Very Canadian. If we're not sorry, we lose our citizenship. Yes, you're very sorry. We have to be sorry. <laughs> and so it just came to me that my brain was like, you were talking about something before and it came to me about in california with those gas station attendants it came back to me because i forgot all about it i forgot all about it and it just bang came back in my memory so they asked to see our money and then after that they asked if either of us speak french and my granddad was like well i speak dutch but she speaks french yeah and they're like speak french to us and i'm pretty sure they even asked my granddad to speak dutch too (laughs) and then of course when people say that to me i never know what to say i'm like bonjour is too boring but I never know what to say when people say that to me. So you literally either just say the basics because when people ask me to do that in Portuguese too. Yeah. Or you say something really. I've mean, said something like, cyni- like cynical to them before. Yeah. Or I've that. been very cynical. Because then they're just my like, response. They sit there and go, ah! You're like, you're a fucking <laughs> idiot. Yeah. And you're like, oh. You have no like, idea what I just said to you. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So you guys didn't hear our testing earlier. <laughs> Every time we test our audio, Chantal, and then of course <laughs> yeah, me, definitely I do. Uh, we we test test one two three. Frankie's a little bitch. Frank's a bitch. <laughs> it's my little dog, and he's so great. Doesn't give a shit what we're saying to him. Nope. But he wears his name. He has ears perk up. His tail starts going, and he's that's just me. so excited. That's he's me. like, "You said my name. I'm the bitch." Yes, that's what I think of. Yeah. When someone asks you to speak a different language and you say something like that to them, yeah. they're like, "Oh my god." <laughs> 
yeah. you start clapping and you're like, oh, you have no idea what I just said. Exactly. It's the same thing. So yeah, they're like, speak French. And so I don't remember what I said, but I said something and they were just beside themselves. It was these two young girls. And I was, like I said, an older kid and they had to have been late teens. And then they literally asked us if we live in igloos. They asked us if we were picked up from the airport in dog sleds. And I remember looking at my granddad like, is this for fucking real? <laughs> I was like 12. I, I, said, forgot, I forgot about I the dog sleds. Kick the table. Yes. Yeah. I, do that. Yeah. The dog sleds, right? It's when we were going down to Los Angeles. And so I just looking at him like, is this for fucking real? That's when you fuck with people and go, well, yeah. Yeah. How right? else do we get home? I, I know. I wish I had said that, but I was honest. But now I would play <laughs> along with it at 29. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I take them for a loop. Yeah. I've got like a dog sled team on reserve <laughs> at the airport my own dog sled my team my own dog sled team and they're well cared for because they yeah. would be and they love their job they love their job dog sleds love their job uh, i know i, I don't even or sled wanna, dogs i don't want to get into it because like i've heard so many horror stories there are for sure there's always bad but if it was my personal team of dogs that are fucking sledding me around the all of the greater canada with all the ice and snow everywhere running along bullwinkle oh totally they would be the best cared for oh for sure dogs ever we should do that one day i know a place in whitehorse that does it and she's very reputable okay she's amazing she's her dogs are cared for by dr oakley okay and shout out to dr oakley you are absolutely phenomenal i honestly girl crush i am jealous of you she's an incredible large animal she actually she cares for all animals she's a veterinarian okay in white horse Mm -hmm. or no sorry in uh, is it white horse somewhere out there somewhere out there i feel like she is established in white horse and she cares for all animals including large animals which you have to specialize in Mm -hmm. and wildlife okay and something the listeners don't don't know about me is i was going to be a veterinarian that was one of the two career choices that i had and i was actually working towards it and working towards going to university and i honestly gave it up because it was going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars and i think the only place was it in saskatchewan no there's a university for it in vancouver alberta saskatchewan and then probably other regions of canada okay but there's none in Kelowna. there's never anything like that in Kelowna ever it's always like vancouver saskatchewan alberta there's like nothing like that in Kelowna. And so I wanted to go to the University of Saskatoon for vet school. Okay. That's where I had my heart set on it. But it, it would have been like over $500,000 and I just couldn't stomach putting my family in that kind of debt. That's a career that I wanted was to be a veterinarian. And so I have... For our large animals. Large animals and wildlife. Yeah. I wanted to specialize in actually equine. I wanted to be mostly like I wanted to do farm animals, but mostly horses and then specialize in wildlife. So dealing with bison elk bighorn sheep cougars bears and that's what dr oakley does and all my favorites yeah she specializes in wildlife she's absolutely phenomenal dr oakley if you ever hear this i love you she's like totally by the way dr oakley is that dr oakley michelle oakley michelle oakley chantal is blushing so fucking hard right now like (laughs) she's doing like the fangirl like teenage i would die to meet her i would fucking die and i'm sorry diana but I would love to go on a hunting trip with you too one day, Dr. Oakley. Why would you be sorry? Because you're vegan. So I, I feel I bad bringing it up, but this is also a part of me. So I feel like I need to express it too. Dude. But okay. I'm sorry. As hard as it is for me to know that part of you, anytime you've gone hunting, I've always wished you luck. 
I know, and I appreciate that so as, much. As hard as it is for me, I, know. I, I wish you luck because I know it's going to feed your family. Yep. And, and culture. Yes. It's a huge thing. I know culture. that. So don't be sorry. But still, I know it's hard for you too. And then I look at your pictures of the animals that I bought for you yes, of you, the cow and I the piggy. Know, and then know. I'm like bringing up hunting in a vegan's office. I know. It's okay. And then you go to my office and there's deer antlers. <laughs> oh, by the way, I okay, so when I was there on Friday to record in your dining room, you know how you have that cat. Oh yeah, I think it's thing. I think it's a lynx. Okay. I think it's a lynx, yeah, the hide of its face. That you were super scared for me yeah, to see, but I did. I you never seen it. But then when I was sitting there while you were in your office, I was sitting there with Felicity and with Cecily and Cecily grabbed it and she's like, Auntie Danny, I love this. And oh, put it on her no. face. She put it on her face and looked through it and she's like, do you want to try? And I went, I'm okay. Thanks, mouse. And she put it back. You're die I, I wouldn't make her feel bad about it honestly. no i know i, I know. just said no 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 it's okay mouse I'm, I'm good i need to remember to put that thing away you don't have to put it away when i'm when i'm there but i'm okay doing it too though because i no. don't want you to be uncomfortable it's i don't see it okay i know it's there and i just don't look in that direction i found it comical some people might not, but I found it comical that she actually pulled it off the shelf. And I know, put it I'm on surprised that she did that. And then asked me if I wanted to do the same. And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, hard pass. Thanks. Hard, hard pass. pass. Oh, yeah. So Cecily's nickname is Mouse. Yeah, little mouse. When she, when I was saying she said Auntie Danny, Mouse could not say my name. She couldn't nope. say Diana when we first met. And she just started saying Danny. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuck so i'm auntie danny now and i love it i will always be auntie danny always i hope felicity carries it on i hope so that's my other daughter felicity i hope she carries it on i'm sure she will you guys always say even even jamie when i was playing with felicity while you were in your office like jamie was like is that auntie danny i'm auntie danny i know for the longest time your family's like who the fuck's this auntie danny i'm like diana 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 (laughs) she's auntie danny yeah cecily dubbed her (laughs) she dubbed me auntie danny and it will i will forever be auntie danny and i'm okay with it and i love it yeah i know how important it is to you it's so important to me yeah they can also call me madrinha yeah which is like godmother or guardian in Portuguese. Yeah. But I don't know. Auntie Danny is just so special because no one else is Auntie Danny. It's just you. But me. Just you. And because there's no other Diana in my life either. There you go. Yep. Cecily, yeah, totally calls me Auntie Danny and Felicity will. I'm sure she will. And I will teach them both Madrina. Yeah. So that they know that term For as well. Sure. Just because, I don't know. And Josh even said it. He's like, mom, you need to teach him that. And I was yeah. Like, I will. Teach him any Portuguese <laughs> you want. Yeah. It's just, it's one word. If yeah. they know nothing else in just Portuguese. Madrina. Madrina. I will teach them that. But yeah, Auntie Danny, 1000% for the rest of my life. That will be. Yep. It's like when he found out my dad's name is Brian. I was like, who the fuck is Brian? <laughs> she was referring to Brian one day. I was like, who the fuck's Brian? She's like, my dad. And I went, no. <laughs> yeah. Literally, no. she was like, um, no, it's no, dad. That's fucking weird. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he has a name. It's Brian. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I heard it after that. You can see the like disgusted yeah, look on my like, face no, right now. No, it's, it's, just, it's dad. It's like no. Yeah, it's not Brian. It's, it's not dad. Brian. <laughs> He's not allowed to have a name. <laughs> I mean, he is obviously, but like it was just like I always knew him as dad. dad. Yeah, I don't and call him Brian. So. No. So when you first said that and you were talking, and I was like, "Well, yeah, hold who's, up, who's, who's Brian? Brian?" Yeah. 
That's my dad. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> even, that, even that didn't feel right. <laughs> Sorry, dad. Yeah, you're not my dad. It just doesn't feel right saying Brian. I don't know. It's just weird. You said you wanted to talk about some crazy animal you saw in your driveway or something? Yes. So the other day when I was leaving to work... So when I came off of our driveway onto the other dirt road, like the main dirt road, because our driveway obviously cuts off of the main dirt road, I seen this animal trotting across the road and looked like a house cat, but like a giant kitten. And it had like a kitten tail. You could tell it was a baby. And it wasn't concerned about me whatsoever. And it was going across the road. And of course, I didn't have my glasses on. I was like, what is that? (laughs) And I'm looking at it and it looks like a cat, but I couldn't see its head very well by the way it was walking. Mm -hmm. And then it went over to the shoulder of the road and it pounced on something in the grass off of the shoulder and it went down. So I was just about to pull up my phone to take a picture of it and it went over, but it had a white stripe on the top of its head. It had the, like the face structure of a badger, those really big cheeks. Mm -hmm. And then its face narrowed and it was dark chocolate brown a little bit a little bit black but mostly dark dark brown and yeah it had like a kitten tail you could tell it was a baby and i'm like what is that at first i thought like they had the face shape of a badger so i was like it's it looks like at the head of a badger but it's not a badger it was not a skunk it was not a skunk yeah and then it was definitely not a cougar for sure not like a, a, a kitten cougar and then I looked up Bobcat and Lynx and it was neither of those. I even looked up Wolverine because I was like, what is this animal? And I was just shocked. I've lived here my whole life. You know, I've been in the woods my whole life. I have never seen an animal like that ever. So I looked up Wolverine. It was not a Wolverine. And then I decided, well, maybe I'll look into the weasel family. So then I looked up Fishers. And if I'm not mistaken, Fishers are related to cats. No, Fishers are in the weasel family. They are in the weasel family. Okay, yeah. I thought maybe they were related to cats. The closest thing it resembled was a baby fisher, but it had a white stripe on the top of its head. Yeah. So from your description, I would say it is a fisher. I think it is too. I'm pretty lucky. I've lived here for 10 years and I've seen fishers about three or four different times. And most people, especially on my street that have lived here their whole lives are like, what's that? <laughs> like, well, it's kind of native to the area. They are super cool looking but very vicious animals like they're carnivores and they come out very late at night but up where you live there's really nothing no so i'm not surprised that they would come out during the day Mm -hmm. but i think it's a fisher yeah okay fine it had a white stripe down its head but you know we all try and be different (laughs) (laughs) yeah it could be a unique one but all yeah like i distinctively remember that white stripe on the top of its head which my first thought was like skunk but i was like no it's not a skunk it's not a skunk it looks like a big house cat but a kitten that's what it looked like but it had a different head shape to it like it didn't have the head of a cat it had the body and the tail of a cat but a kitten and so i was like what the fuck is that so I obviously didn't see it. So I'm going with Fisher, but it could totally be something else I know, I right? Seen. I know. Yeah. And I mean, it would have been virtually impossible for it to be a Wolverine. Wolverines don't venture down this low. No. They're up very high in the mountains. Like if you see a Wolverine, it's because you are off the fucking beaten trail. Yep. In the woods up high. Yep. That's when you could possibly run into a Wolverine. So for where I live, even though I live off grid, it's really close to town and there's like pretty high traffic where I live because people come up in the bush and shit, right? Hmm. So it's, it's pretty high traffic where I live. 
even though there's not a large population up there because it's just no. like me and my neighbor up there. Yeah. And then there's rock quarries. So it's pretty low, consistent population. Totally. And people get lost up there all the time. Yes. Going up to your place will go through your gate. People will be driving behind me asking where yeah. I'm going. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm on private property. I'm on private property. Well, I was looking for it. I'm like, yep, you're not in the right area no. yep. like, at all. And that's happened a few times since I've gone up. Yep, us too. To we you. get a so, lot of people on our driveway. More so in the summer, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. There's not a lot of people who go up that high in the wintertime unless no. they have a vehicle and the tires for it. Old Edith, you wanted to Old talk Edith, about this. Yeah. I totally did want to talk about it. I'm so sad that I can't share the first recording of this <laughs> because there was some solid gold points in that. Chantal is an 80-year-old in a 29-year-old's body. She's laughing because she knows it's true. I know it's true. <laughs> and physically, I feel it sometimes too. Well, we all physically feel. <laughs> but when you have chronic pain, you know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, when you have chronic pain, you feel it. I get it. Yep. You are the oldest person I've ever met in the <laughs> youngest body. It makes zero sense to me. I've been told I'm an old soul, so I'm not surprised. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> old soul well, or not. Pertinent. Uh, okay. It's just so stressful for me <laughs> when she sends me photos because she knows it just gets me going now. Yep, that's why She'll I do send it. me fucking photos, screenshots of her phone, and it's like 1%. Who does that? I do. I know. I do. Why? I don't know. I just let my phone go until it's like almost dead or dead and then I plug it in. And it's just not her phone, by the way. Other stuff too. <laughs> and I have to remind her, I'm like, do you need to plug that in? She's like, probably looks and she's like, oh yeah, I guess I should. Laptop, phone, doesn't matter. No, laptop, I do let, I do keep that charged. In fact, I should see what percentage my laptop see? is at right now. Because she's not It's not plugged in. It's at 84%. Oh, wow. Well, that's not <laughs> That's horrible. not bad. That is like the best. Yeah. With my laptop, that is the exception. <laughs> I rarely ever let my laptop die. It's like always plugged in. It's not right now, which is actually unusual because it normally is. But everything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I've literally referred to you, to other people, as... 80 year old Edith to the point where a friend of mine the other day was like when I was talking about you like my best friend and he's like the 80 year old I was like what like it didn't even yeah I was like oh yes her yeah that yeah, one that one because <laughs> you're just oh it, it stresses me out I know that's why I send you screenshots of my battery power I don't understand <laughs> because we could have an outage which we get we do get yeah and all of a sudden you're like a one percent but you might not have power for the next two days yep so fuck with that said though i don't have to deal with that problem where i live sure you have other shit you have to deal with because i'm not on any city hookups no you're not but i see what you're saying nonetheless still stresses me out i know it still stresses you out it's like that meme that i've sent you of somebody trying to talk about the details of the back of these industrial computers with all the wires yes and then it says me trying to describe my tech my technology difficulties to someone or whatever then it says (laughs) my computer seems to run on some form of electricity (laughs) (laughs) that's me that's Chantal. yeah seems to run on electricity I can power it on, power it off. I can use Word and stuff, but it might... You know how to turn it on and off? 
yes believe it or not i do okay that was a shot but you know <laughs> still i'm surprised that's how bad she is the whole time you've been talking yeah this kept coming into my mind what don't look suspicious don't look suspicious i don't, don't know why suspicious don't, don't look suspicious, suspicious. What was that about again? I don't know. It was so funny when we were talking about it. And then oh. I said, don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. suspicious. Well, a picture I sent to you of Frank. <gasps> That's what it was. It was Frank. <laughs> it was Frank. Frank's a little bitch. He's a little bitch. But yeah, like he does this. It's so cute. And I will post this photo because it's adorable. And he sits there all pretty. And then as soon as the camera comes out, he looks away and he's got this deathly I don't know like, how to describe it. Side stink eye. Yeah. Like, and he's suspicious eye. of something. It's the best. It's really funny. And I have no idea why that kept coming into my mind while you were talking. You must have had that look on your face. I point. must have. Okay. So we're going to dive into our stories. Yeah. Are we going to rock, paper, scissors shit? Let's rock, paper, scissors it. Okay. Ready? Are you ready? No way. <laughs> Not this again. Not this bullshit we're again. Double scissoring this right now. <laughs> Yeah, I said that. Ready? Okay, ready? (laughs) Ready? Fuck, I'm going first again. Okay. Fuck. Okay, I kind of wanted you to go first, but I'll go first. Okay. I have named my story (laughs) Sinister. So citing my sources, Global Okanagan, Wikipedia, and then I have an inside source as well. I'm going to start out my story with telling the testimony of someone I know, a family member, whom is very close to me, but she wishes to remain anonymous, who met a serial killer, spoke with him and everything. Okay. Good times. Good times. Good that's times. that's meant very sarcastically, just so everyone knows. Of course. So in 1981, this family member went to a grad party with her friend and her friend was invited to this grad party. And it was an outside party, like a bush party. Yeah. So they went to it and it was in Clearwater, British Columbia. It was a year before my family member graduated. So my family member graduated in 1982 and this party was in 1981. While this party was going on, my family member and her friend were there having a good time and they were followed around by this really, really creepy guy. This family member has described him as just, he made the hair on the back of her neck stand up and he would not leave them alone. Hmm. No matter what her and her friend did, they couldn't lose him. He kept following them everywhere. And being at, you know, a party, there's only so far you can get, right? Yeah. Somebody's going to keep following you, right? Especially if they have their eyes set on you. Totally. And so he was talking with them and stuff and they just could not lose him. And then it got to the point where this family member was so uncomfortable and just not okay with this guy that she said to her friend, I need to go. We need to get out of here. I can't take this guy anymore. We need to leave. So they left. We're going to fast forward now from 1981 to 1983. My story is about a serial killer named David Ennis, previously known as David Shearing. Why he took his mother and, or his, sorry, his, yeah, his mother's maiden name, I don't know. But either way, murdered the Johnson-Bentley family. And that's what my story is about, the Johnson-Bentley family. I'm sorry it's really choppy in the beginning. It's because I'm trying to fit in this other story into it. Yeah. And to do it in an appropriate sort of timeline to also give shock value. Yeah. And so it's... And not have it at the end. And not have (laughs) it at the end. So it's a bit choppy in the beginning, and I apologize for that. It was really hard to try and fit this in and not make it sound as choppy as I'm probably saying it. My family member was following the Johnson Bentley family killing. Spoiler alert. They were killed by David Ennis. We're going to fast forward to 1983. This family member was living in Surrey, British Columbia, and she was in the kitchen one day. The news on the TV was on, and they announced that they found the killer 
of the Johnson Bentley family. This family member went running into the living room to see what was going on. His face came up. This woman said that her blood just went cold. Yeah. She realized that the man who was following her at the party was that serial killer. Following her and her friend. Yikes. And was talking to them and wouldn't leave them alone. It was that man. It was David Ennis. Good instincts, man. Good instincts. To walk away from that. Right? Good instincts. To think about how different life would have been if she hadn't. What could have happened to her and her and her friend. Yep. Okay, so I named my story Sinister. I'm going to be keeping the Canadian and British Columbia momentum going by sharing the story of the Johnson Bentley family whom were horrifically murdered by David Ennis, previously known as David Shearing, in the summer of 1982. This is still another somewhat local murder. It's a bit split up. So the Johnson Bentley family were from the Okanagan. They're from Kelowna. But they were murdered outside of Kelowna in Clearwater, BC. It's kind of a combination. There's a British Columbia Canadian murder. And then also the family comes from Kelowna. To cite my sources, Global Okanagan, Wikipedia, and then I have an inside source as well. Okay, so trigger warning for our listeners for obviously murder, child abduction, torture, and rape. Viewer discretion is strongly advised. Okay, so I'm going to give an extremely brief overview of David Ennis. David William Ennis, in brackets shearing, was born in 1959. And that's all the information I know. (laughs) That's all I could find. That's it. Well... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, he found out his father died of ca- died from cancer in March of 1982, and David has a brother named Greg. That's it. I wonder if that pisses him off that there's so little maybe about him online. Maybe, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Like possibly the fact that like they know that his dad died from cancer, but don't know anything else about him. Yeah, that's it. That would piss off a serial killer. Probably, yeah, I'm sure it would because a lot of serial killers they want the stardom, right? Yeah, they want the stardom, they want the attention. If the news gets things wrong, they get mad about it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. So the Johnson Bentley family were extremely close, and the ones who were murdered were comprised of three generations. First, there were the Bentleys, George and Edith Bentley. George was 66 and Edith was 59. They had their daughter, Jackie Johnson, who was 40, and her husband, Bob, who was 44, and their two daughters, Janet, who was 13, and her younger sister, Karen, who was 11. The family loved going on camping trips and spending time with one another. On August 2nd, 1982, the Johnson Bentley family decided to go on a camping trip to Wells Gray Provincial Park, which is in the Clearwater Valley, roughly 120 kilometers north of Kamloops, British Columbia. The family set up at their campsite and they were having a wonderful time out in the wilderness, enjoying each other's company and partaking in camping activities. Little did they know, they were literally being stalked by a perverse and sinister man. Ennis admitted to stalking the family for several days, plotting his attack and his violent sexual fantasies for the two younger girls, and they grew stronger. It's been said that the last time the family was heard from was on August 6th. David admitted after his sentencing that he began stalking the family on August 10th. David's first act of horrific violence began with shooting the four adults in the back of their heads while they were sitting around a campfire with a 22 caliber Remington pump action rifle. I couldn't find the exact date that he shot the adults, but I imagine it was on the 10th considering the timeline of both Janet and Karen, like when they, they died. After shooting the adults, David stuffed their bodies in the Johnson family car and proceeded to kidnap the sisters out of their tent and held Janet and Karen hostage for six days. During those six days, he did unspeakable things to those girls. He tied them up with chains, torturing them and raped them both nonstop, 
before executing Karen in the back of the head on August 16th and then Janet the same way on August 17th with the same 22 caliber rifle. After executing the girls, he put them in the trunk of the same car the parents and grandparents were in and set the whole car on fire. So that was the Johnson car. When Bob Johnson failed to return to work on August 16th, which was very unusual for the Gorman's Mill employee, he was reported as a missing person to RCMP. Now, for those who don't know what Gorman's Mill is, it's a lumber mill in West Kelowna and is an extremely well-respected company in the Okanagan and arguably across Canada. The search for the family was initiated in Wells Gray Provincial Park, where the families had intended on meeting up. On September 13th, a mushroom picker found an abandoned and burned car that matched the description of the Johnson car near Battle Mountain Road. When RCMP found the vehicle, they found the remains of four burned adults and the two girls in the trunk. It took RCMP a year to find the killers responsible for murdering the families, and during spring of 1983, several methods were used to try to solve the unusual and shocking murders. At the crime scene in April, the murders were reenacted for TV cameras and aired across Canada in an effort to bring evidence and potential suspects forward. In May, police drove a replica of Edith and George's 1981 Ford F-150 with a camper to eastern Canada, directly to Ontario and Quebec. There were reportedly 300 people claiming they had seen the same vehicle heading east during fall and winter. Hmm. The reward for locating the truck started at $7,500 and 10,000 posters were sent out to postal offices and police detachments across North America. After a year's effort to find the killer responsible, the RCMP still had no one. It's worth noting that during the summer of 1983, Wells Gray Park experienced their worst tourism season yet. During the Canada Day holiday weekend, the weather was top-notch and the media advised tourists to steer clear of British Columbia parks because there was little to no vacancy. But the exception was Wells Gray Park. Only 18 of 105 sites were in use. That's nuts. Right? Because people were murdered there. So everybody was like, fuck that. Well, and that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't have a killer, but people knew that there were people murdered yeah. over in that area. Oh. Finally, on October 1983, David Ennis's abandoned truck was located on a logging road by two forestry workers. The truck was located on Trophy Mountain Road, not far from Wells Gray Provincial Park, and much like the Johnson's car, the truck and camper were also torched. It's also worth noting that the RCMP were criticized for going on a wild goose chase across eastern Canada when the truck sat burned not far from the murders for a whole year. This discovery led police to believe that the killer likely resided in Clearwater, which would explain the knowledge of all the back roads in Wells Gray Provincial Park. Apparently those roads are like a freaking map. Okay. Like, they're just, they're crazy. The truck was brought into the RCMP crime lab in Vancouver, British Columbia. However, the truck never provided RCMP with any new evidence. Desperate for answers, the police embarked on door-to-door questioning in Clearwater, BC. By the time they were done, they had accumulated 13,000 tips. The missing piece to the puzzle for RCMP was said during one of the Clearwater questionings after the truck was found. A Clearwater resident told RCMP that over a year prior to all of this, David Ennis had inquired about re-registering a Ford F-150 and repair a hole in one of the doors. The police had never revealed to the public or media that there was a bullet hole in the Bentley's truck. Okay. Gotcha, bitch. Gotcha, bit. Thank the darkness. Thank the darkness. Thank the darkness. <laughs> 
Fuck yeah. They had him. Mm-hmm. On November 19th, 1983, David William Shearing was arrested in Dawson Creek and escorted to Kamloops under guard and charged with the second degree murders of the six family members. Can you imagine how good that must have felt? It must have been like... To catch him finally. Yeah. How good that would feel. Yes. After how long? A year. Unreal. Amazing. David Ennis pleaded guilty to six counts of murder on April 16th, 1984. In his 10-minute summation, Summation? (laughs) Supreme Court Justice Harry McKay sentenced Shearing to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years. This sentence was the maximum penalty for second-degree murder, and it was also the first time in Canadian history to be put in place as a sentencing. Even though David's eligibility for parole was in 2008, Mm -hmm. he was never granted it. He was eligible for parole, but it was noted to not let him out of prison because he still had violent sexual fantasies and had not finished sex offender treatment. Ennis submitted a request for parole in 2012, but it was denied. He requested for parole again in 2014. However, a month before the hearing, he withdrew his request. Ennis was up for parole again in 2021, and it was once again rejected. The other family members started with losing their loved ones, and it has never let up for them. They've grieved a lifetime for their family members' deaths and grieved the concept of losing them in such a senseless and horrific way that they did not deserve. Then the family has to hold their breath and hope that David is never released from prison. It's really gut-wrenching. Like, they're left with a lifetime of trauma to deal with. Those poor girls, I can't even wrap my head around the sinister nature of this murder. It's just, it's so bad. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that there are not any adequate words to describe the sorrows of the Johnson Bentley deaths. I read that he wasn't, quote unquote, ready for freedom. And personally, I think that's bullshit. He doesn't deserve freedom. Even if he was ready for it, he doesn't deserve it. Fuck that. He deserves to die in prison and I'm sure he will. Freedom's gone Bye bye. Yeah, the Killed fact that two families raped yeah. two girls, the fact that tortured even them. A, a thought. I know freedom. Yeah, like he's not ready for freedom. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'm just not like, ready. Oh, I'm just he, not ready right now. No, that's that. To me, that was like insulting to the Johnson Bentley family. Like, it oh, is. he's not ready. No, he doesn't fucking deserve freedom. No, is what it is. He doesn't. There's also a public pool on the west side on yes. in West Kelowna called Johnson Bentley Community Pool. And it's named after the Johnson Bentley family. And it was named after them after they died. Yes. And I did not know this until we tried to record this the first time on Friday. Because yes. <laughs> I've been Me there too. and I didn't it's realize. Nice it is. It's a nice pool. Well, and just the park outside too is huge. And they always have like events and stuff there. But I had no idea. Yeah. So we just took a very much needed pizza break. Yeah. Because that's literally all we had to eat today. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I've eaten today. We had a few drinks. I tried a new piercing on. It looks so good. I'm so excited. It looks so good. Diana got her septum pierced. Yeah, and then I got new earrings for it. And I just decided to put one of them in. And It looks bomb. Yep. I'm looking at it right now, even though it's a bit blurry because I don't have my glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Look through one lens. I just feel like it's it looks me. So, it is. It suits your face shape. It suits your nose. Especially with the length, the way it tears. Yeah. It just, it suits you. I'm pretty happy It looks that. so good. And, oh, we had a mini dance party. Well, yep. I mean, I did anyway. <laughs> yeah, Diana did. I could hear it from outside. Yeah. I just had to have a little mini dance party before getting into my story. Yeah, we needed a boost of energy. We did. My story is pretty nuts. 
What? I just looked out your window yeah. and I can see my nose marks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see them now, too. Yeah. So while Chantal was outside having a break and I was in my office, she put her nose up to it and I've got photos of it. She allows me to post them. I will. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I have this thing. I, I do it to everyone. If I'm going to a window and I know there's people on the other side, I'll put my nose on the window almost like a pig nose. Yeah. I always do it. It'll just remind me of you. Every time I look out my office window, I'll be like, there's Chantel. <laughs> so my story is kind of nuts. It's the first time I've heard about it. And it's about Catherine Mary Knight, the Australian slaughterhouse worker turned brutal murderer. So I'm going to cite my sources. First one being the allthatsinteresting.com. There was an article by Katie Serena. Hope I'm saying that right. NYDailyNews.com, a true crime book called Bloodstain by journalist Peter Lalor, L-A-L-O-R, and Wikipedia. So if your discretion is strongly advised, this is a fucked up case from the beginning of this woman's life to the end. It is not for the faint of heart. Here we go. If you're triggered by things such as domestic violence, child abuse, horrific murder, this may not be the story for you. Catherine Knight was born in Tenterfield, Australia on October 24th of 1955 to an unconventional, dysfunctional, extremely fucked up family. Oh, yeah. And we swear a lot. I know I've said that before, (laughs) but we do. And I will continue that. She is the first Australian woman to receive a life sentence without parole She was convicted for the murder of her partner, John Charles Thomas Price, in February of 2000. She's currently serving her sentence at the Silverwater Women's Correctional Center in New South Wales. So the beginning of her life wasn't great. She suffered a pretty brutal childhood. Her mother, Barbara Rohan, was married to Jack Rohan and lived in the small conservative town of Aberdeen in New South Wales. They had four sons before her mother, Barbara, started an affair with her father, Ken Knight. Ken was Barbara's husband's co-worker and friend. I use that term lightly, and I'm guessing everyone else did too, because friend. Yeah, some friend. Sleeping with his wife. Anyway, both the Rohan and Knight families were very well known in their small town. So when the affair came to light, it caused some serious pearl clutching. And I love that term because you use it all the time. I I love saying that. It's friggin' hilarious. Yeah. Some serious pearl clutching and rocked their small town. They were forced to move to Moree, M-O-R-E-E. Barbara didn't take any of her boys with her. The two older boys stayed with her estranged husband, Jack, and the two younger boys went to live with an aunt in Sydney. She did have four more kids with Ken Knight, the two youngest being a set of twins, and Catherine was one of those twins, so her and her sister, Joy. In 1959, when Catherine was four, her mom's estranged husband, Jack, passed away, and the two older boys ended up moving in with their family. Catherine's father, so Ken, was a violent alcoholic who raped her mother multiple times a day. It's been said up to 10 times a day. Being the mother of the year award winner, Barbara was said to be very open with her four daughters and would talk to them about her sex life and her distaste for men. She absolutely hated men, Ken in particular. When she talked to her girls, she just told them that all men were as horrible as Ken, their father. 
When Catherine was older, she told her mother that her boyfriend wanted to do something to her sexually that she wasn't exactly comfortable with. And her mom told her, quote, put up with it and stop complaining, end quote. That's horrifying. Like, what the fuck? Anyway. Horrifying. Yeah. Catherine claims that she was sexually assaulted by several family members until she was 11 years old. This does not include her dad. Psychiatrists doubted some of the details, but several family members did confirm the general acts of these accusations. In some of the stuff I read, it it was said to be her brother's. I'm not super surprised that between her mom being abused daily and her being molested by some family members that she would turn out the way she did. Yeah, not surprising at all. But hey, here we are. Catherine's great-grandmother was an indigenous Australian from the Marie area and married a man from Ireland. Catherine loved this about her identity, but it wasn't something that the family loved to share. There was a lot of racism at the time towards the indigenous people, and I'm sure there still is. Still is yeah. Catherine wasn't close with many people in her family. However, she was close with her twin sister and an uncle named Oscar Knight, who was a champion horseman. She loved him and was completely devastated when he committed suicide in 1969. In school, Catherine was known as a model student and was awarded for her good behavior. However, she was also known as a bully who terrorized small children. There was at least one case where she assaulted a boy with a weapon and was injured by a teacher who acted in self-defense. Model student. But she was a model student. But she was a model student. She definitely was. Yep. She quit school when she was 15 and was effectively illiterate. She never really learned how to read or write. Her first job was working as a cutter in a clothing factory. A year later, she found her, quote, dream job, end quote, where she would catch and participate in animal slaughter. It said that brought her much joy and happiness. So big red flag. And it was super hard for me to read some of these details. Yeah, of course. She was quickly promoted to boning. There is a joke in there somewhere. I'm sorry. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Anyway, she loved her job so much that she hung her first set of butcher knives over her bed and was quoted saying they would always be handy if I needed them. Apparently, she did this with every place she lived. She hung her butcher knives above her bed because that's normal. That's normal. And again, no, no major red flags there. Not at all. Not at all. No, that's totally normal. I've got some in my room. Me too. Just kidding. No, I don't. No, neither do I. <laughs> to, to butcher all that tofu in my, yeah, in my right. kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> all those vegetables. Catherine met her co-worker David Kellett in 1973 while working at the slaughterhouse. Kellett was a raging alcoholic like her dad and loved fist fights. When he got into his fist fights, Catherine would join in and fight at his side. What a woman. His heavy drinking was attributed to him witnessing two traumatic incidences prior to working at the slaughterhouse. His best friend worked with him and was killed in front of him while working at Coffs Harbor Railway. Then he rescued a number of injured students from a school bus that was hit by a train, killing six of those students. He was eventually fired just because he couldn't cope. Yeah. And yeah, I don't blame the poor guy. In 1974, Catherine demanded that they get married she arrived at the service on her motorcycle and he was blackout drunk waiting for her nice her mother barbara pulled him aside and warned him quote the old lady said to me to watch out you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked don't ever think of playing up on her so 
cheating on her. Yeah. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. End quote. On their wedding night, they had sex three different times and Kellett fell asleep. She tried to strangle him in his sleep because he wouldn't wake up and have sex with her a fourth time. Jesus. Poor guy. Right? Good start to a marriage. He eventually woke up and fought her off and they stayed married for an additional 10 years because, you know, that's what you do when someone tries to strangle you (laughs) on your wedding night. Yep. Just stay. Just stay. Just in case. Yep. The marriage was violent, toxic, and far from perfect. While Catherine was super pregnant, she hit him over the head with a frying pan, fracturing his skull, and burned all of his clothes because he got home late from a darts tournament. Stay with him. Sorry. (laughs) Yikes. Okay. She gave birth to her first child, Melissa, in May of 1976. Kellett did cheat on her and left her for another woman, and they moved to Queensland. Because Catherine was so abusive towards him and he just had enough. Catherine was seen the very next day pushing her two-month-old in a stroller, violently thrashing her around in the stroller in public. Yeah. She was institutionalized at St. Elmo's Hospital after being diagnosed with postpartum depression. Catherine was there for a few weeks before she was released. Then she took Melissa, same baby, and placed her on the local train tracks But Melissa was saved only minutes before the train was due by old Ted. And that's just some guy was foraging nearby. And that's what the local town folk called him, old Ted. In the meantime, she left her daughter there. She got a hold of an axe and was threatening to kill people in town. She was arrested and taken back to the psychiatric hospital, but was somehow released the very next day. She signed herself out. Of course she did. Once released from the hospital, she slashed the woman in the face with one of her butcher knives and took her and her vehicle hostage, demanding she drive her to Queensland so she could find Kellett. The woman did manage to escape when they stopped at a service station. She then took a young mechanic hostage with the intent of killing him because he apparently fixed Kellett's car. And that's how he managed to get away from her, according to her. The police managed to disarm her. And she was admitted to Morissette Psychiatric Hospital, where she uh, admitted that she was going to kill Kellett and his mother. When the police informed Kellett of Catherine's intentions of murdering him and his mom, they both moved back to Aberdeen to care for her and support her. Because, you know, that's what you do when someone wants to murder you. Yeah, again, normal thing to do. (laughs) She had her second daughter, Natasha, on March 6th of 1983. After all of this, the crazy bitch Catherine left Kellett. In 1984, after all of that, after everything she did, she walked away from him, left him and took her two daughters. So much drama for nothing. In 1986, Catherine met a local miner, David Saunders. A few months later, he moved in with her, but kept his rental apartment. This made her very jealous and suspicious when they weren't spending time together. To show him what she was capable of, if he ever cheated on her, she took his two-month-old dingo puppy... And slit his throat in front of him. Killing him. Ugh. Bitch, slit your own throat. Oh, right? Just, yeah, off yourself. Like, what'd that poor puppy Ugh. do? But the fact that he stayed with her after right? that. Right? Like, like, what's wrong with you two? <laughs> okay, you killed Why? puppy. Are you that desperate to get laid? Again, my heart broke reading this. Yeah, the Catherine Knight story is horrific. I'm surprised it's the first time I read about it when yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I'm surprised it. too. I was like, I gotta read this. This is fucked up. It's bananas. 
They ended up having a little girl, Sarah, in June of 1988. She bought a house and decorated it with a bunch of stuff. Some examples, animal skins and skulls, animal traps, old leather jackets, boots, old rusty machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. Sounds like the dream home. Tote. <laughs> Shortly after the birth of her third child, Catherine attempted to kill Saunders with a pair of scissors by stabbing him in the abdomen. Saunders left her and went into hiding and left his kid with her yeah as well 1997 Catherine got pregnant by her next partner john chillingworth whom she worked with at the slaughterhouse previously they had a little boy named eric and stayed together for three years john found out that she was having an affair for some time with john price and left her some sources did say that she left him for john but majority of them said that he left her because he was done Price was born on April 4th of 1955. When Price and Catherine got together, he already had three kids. Two lived with him and the youngest lived with his ex-wife. Apparently, he was aware of her violent reputation, but still let her move into the house with his kids. His kids actually really liked her. So good start. I guess she made a good impression. Price worked at a local mine making a lot of money. The family was happy. After living together for a few years, Catherine suggested they get married and he declined. Now her truth comes out and her violent tendencies. Price allegedly stole a few things from work and she sent the proof to his boss. The stuff that he was stealing, again, allegedly, was like out of date medical kits and stuff like that. So nothing really of worth, but mm. still not nice to steal. Yeah. After she sent this to his boss, he was fired. After 17 years of employment with this company, he kicked her ass out, but did start dating her a few months later again. These dudes are a glutton for punishment. I hate to victim blame, but like Keska fuck. Yep. I'm picturing a golf ball and a garden hose. Right? <laughs> Must be. Must be. Like, what else? What else? Is there? That's horrible. Right. This time he didn't let her move in, though. He started dating her, but didn't let her move in. They fought frequently, and most of his friends basically would have nothing to do with him after this because they were just not okay with the violence from her. He was known to be a really kind of chill, cool guy. So it was her that was the violent one yeah. in this from everything I read online. In February of 2000, they fought, and she stabbed him in the chest. He had had enough at this point and filed for a restraining order against her to keep himself and his children safe finally. He felt unsafe and told his co-workers that if he ever went missing or didn't come into work, it was because Catherine had killed him. On February 29th of 2000, he went home. His kids were staying at a friend's place. Apparently, Catherine had sent them off for a sleepover. He hung out with his neighbors and went to bed at 11 p.m. Catherine showed up while he was sleeping, made herself at home, made some breakfast, watched some TV, had a shower. Apparently, she had bought some special lingerie for this occasion for this night so she put that on she woke him up and they had sex like dude you have a restraining order on oh, this her is so much of that restraining order you're afraid of her you're afraid she's gonna kill you and your kids but okay let's have sex then he went back to sleep <laughs> so once he was back asleep she took one of her butcher knives and stabbed him 37 times according to blood evidence he woke up during the attack tried to fend for himself and run away but that didn't work he did manage to get to the front door but either staggered back just from all the blood loss or whatever but she managed to drag him back in and and that was that 
Here's that second warning, guys. It gets really grisly now. Viewer listener discretion is strongly advised. She dragged him downstairs, skinned him, and hung his body and skin from meat hooks in the living room. She then decapitated him and cut up some of his flesh to cook up in a potato dish with pumpkin, beets, zucchini, cabbage, squash, and gravy. They actually have not photos of the actual dish she made, but I found photos of this is what she made. This is what it looked like. Pictures like reenactments. It was very specific. And everywhere I read, these were all the vegetables listed. Yeah, I see. <laughs> like, I've seen it before. Do they list yeah. the veggies she used? Yeah. She made up three dishes with him and all those veggies. When Price didn't show up for work, his co-workers became concerned and went to his house. His neighbors were also concerned when they noticed his vehicle in the driveway. They both tried knocking on his door, but noticed blood on the front porch and called the police. When police arrived, they found three dishes, one for herself, which apparently she had some of, but they couldn't say for sure because some of it looked like it was missing. So either she was like, I can't do this. And and then some sources said she threw it on her, you know, in her backyard, in his backyard, I should say. Yeah. So I think she had some of it, according to the sources, but couldn't finish it. So she couldn't stomach it. Yeah. And the other two dishes had name tags beside them. They had his two kids' names on it. She was planning on serving him to his kids on a plate. Yep. Barf. Barf. Barf, barf, barf. They found Price's head boiled in a pot with vegetables on the stove, and it was still warm when they got there. I can't even imagine coming into a crime scene and finding a fucking head. Yeah, and I know, right? And boiling with food. And I'm pretty sure there was a roast of his part of his leg or something in the oven. Well, that's what he she served. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what she was serving all herself and the kids. Was yeah. That. Ugh. Yeah. They found her laying next to him, mutilated corpse. So at some point, she took him off the meat hook. She had taken a whole whack of pills and passed out beside him. Apparently, she had taken his arm and placed it over an empty soft drink bottle and crossed his legs she left a handwritten note on top of a picture of him it was completely covered in blood and had pieces of his flesh on it Ugh. ugh is right it read and again keep in mind she was illiterate so her note read this got your back jonathan for rapping so raping my yeah. daughter so daughter you two back Price's daughter for Ross for little John. So his son, little John. Yeah. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. The accusations in her note were found to be baseless. They couldn't find any evidence that any of it was true. Catherine claims she has no recollection of that night. Her trial was due to start on July 23rd of 2001, but was adjourned to October 15th of 2001. She initially entered with a, plea of not guilty her trial commenced on the 15th of october Catherine's attorney spoke to the judge who adjourned the trial to the following day no explanation no reason why Catherine did change her plea the next day and basically the lawyer talked to the judge and had told the judge that she wanted to change that plea and the judge had ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if she understood the consequences of her guilty plea Her lawyers were planning on defending her by claiming amnesia and disassociation. This was supported by most psychiatrists she had met with or just studying the case, but they also considered her to be sane. She still refuses to accept any responsibility for her actions. 
She also says she is visited regularly by the ghost of her dead uncle. At the sentencing hearing, her lawyer asked that she be excused so she wouldn't have to hear the facts about her crimes. But obviously they refused it because she did it. She's going to hear about it. When they started describing the skinning and decapitation, she became hysterical and they actually had to sedate her because she couldn't handle what she had done. On November 8th of 2001, Justice O'Keefe stated that the gruesomeness of the crime acquired a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life imprisonment without the chance of parole. She tried to appeal this in 2006, but was denied. And that's that. That's the story of this crazy, crazy person. And again, I get it. Like She did not have a good upbringing, but that does not give you an excuse. No. To do what you did. No, she's a trash human. She is a trash human. She's still alive. I believe when I checked, she's 66 now. Yeah. Still alive. Still denies it all. I couldn't really find anything on her kids. I mean, I wouldn't want to be associated with her either. Right? No, that's not my mom. No. I did find something about one of John's kids. So like the guy that was murdered, his daughter, who doesn't speak with any of her other siblings, apparently. They want to make a movie about it, or at one point they wanted to, and she's devastated because she has two kids. They know their grandfather died, but they don't know how. Yeah. And she doesn't want them to hear the story. So I get that. Yeah, me too. I understand that. That's cuckoo. It is our oldest cat's birthday today. Shout out to Dewey. Yay, Dewey. 12 years old on the 12th. It's his champagne birthday today. Happy birthday, Dewey. Our big fluffy boy. He is such a big fluffy boy. He's the best. He's so cute. Oh, Dewey's the best. He's part Maine Coon, right? Ragdoll. Ragdoll. Half ragdoll. That's what it is. Half ragdoll. Half ragdoll. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah. He's a big cat. Big boy with the tiniest, cutest meow. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so funny. It doesn't fit the cat at all. It does. You think he'd have like a good, solid, deep meow to him? Nope. Dewey's meow definitely doesn't fit him. No. It's adorable. It's so cute. It's very cute. Yeah. Such a good boy. So. Well. Yeah. This was a good second recording of our episode. It is. I'm kind of bummed. We did touch on a a lot of stuff on the first one, but that's okay. I do want to do a quick shout out to my son, Josh, (laughs) that will never listen to this. (laughs) And I say that because he does not understand why we enjoy true crime and anytime i'm listening to true crime podcasts he's like mom what the fuck <laughs> so i just want to shout out to him and i'm wondering if he'll ever know that i did this shout out to him i love him maybe one day maybe one day we'll get him on board i would love to get him in for an episode that would be hilarious right he's yes. pretty funny have josh as a special guest fuck yeah yeah Maybe one day. So if anyone knows Josh, you can tell him about this. Yep. I'm sure that's how he'll find out about it. I'm sure it is because he definitely won't listen to it. He was like, Mom, I want to listen to it. He goes, but well, one, secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. And I was like, that makes no sense, but I get it. And then two, he's like, why do you guys like talking about this shit? Like when I told him about the story I picked for this episode, the look on his face of disgust and horror. And he's like, but why? And I'm like, because. But why not? (laughs) But why not? Yeah. So it was, it's just kind of funny. So shout out to my boy, Josh. Is that it? I think so. Do you want to do the last shot? No, God, no. 
that totally fucked up my shit. Me too. Like, I need I some water. Believe. I really need some water. Yeah, I've got the pasties right now. <laughs> nice. Yum, yum, yum. I'm just really, really dehydrated. Yes. I really, really need some water. Okay. Well, that's it, folks. We'll see you next. Or, damn it, I do this. Well, it's the second time I've done it, but you'll hear us next Monday. <laughs> next Monday. <laughs> Peace out. Have a great night.